Let's begin with prayer. Father, this morning, would you lift up Jesus in our hearts? Would you lift up Jesus in our minds so that all we see, all we think, and all we catch this morning is Jesus? Would you honour him, Lord? And would you touch us deeply with what Jesus has done for us on the cross? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus loved you and me so much that he suffered for us on the cross. The suffering of Jesus on the cross, there is a portion of that suffering that is substituted suffering. Substituted suffering is the sufferings that Jesus bore on our behalf. He substituted for us. Those sufferings we should never have to suffer again. But Jesus also loved us so much that he shared some of his sufferings with us so that we could partake in his ministry. It's important for us as Christians to know the difference between what is substituted suffering and what is shared suffering so that when trouble comes our way, we know what we should reject and what we should accept. Isaiah 53 verse 5 is a good summary of the cross. It says that He, Jesus, He was pierced for our transgressions and He was crushed for our iniquities. This is dealing with our sin. On the cross, Jesus paid the price for our sins so that you and I should not have to walk aware that we are sinners. No, we walk aware that we are forgiven and right with God because He has paid the price. On the cross, it also says that the punishment that brought us peace was on Him. This peace is about anxiety. Jesus said, peace I give with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. As Christians, we don't have to walk anxious about what tomorrow brings. We can walk with a peace that transcends all understanding. We can walk with a shalom that transcends all understanding because it was paid for us on the cross. And by His wounds, we are healed. Healing also was on the cross. God will never inflict sickness on men because to do so would be to go against the cross and He would never do that. So these are the things that Christ has substituted for us and we should not have to accept it. We can reject it in Jesus' name based on the work of the cross. However, Jesus also loved you and me so much that He shared some of his sufferings with us. Why would Jesus allow us to suffer? Romans 8, verse 16 and 17 says this. He says, The Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children of God, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If, there is an if, we are co-heirs with Christ if we share in his suffering so that we too may share in his glory. When Jesus allows us to suffer together with Him, He is giving us a chance to partake in His suffering so that one day we can also partake in His glory. There is a measure of reward for those who would suffer with Jesus here on earth. One of the main sufferings that we have the privilege of doing with Jesus is to suffer persecution. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So let's come to our passage, 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 19. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. 
If you should suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. I have four things I want to share with you this morning about sharing in the suffering of Christ in persecution. The first thing I want to share with you is do not be surprised. Verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is come on you. As Christians, we don't get to be surprised when persecution comes. We can't go to God and say, oh God, why are they so mean to me? Why do they do this, God? No, no, we we don't get to act surprised because the Bible is full of ample warnings that we will suffer persecution if we follow Jesus. Jesus said, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. When I was a student many years ago, there was an evangelist that came through town. So me and some of my friends, we brought a lot of our non-believing friends, over a hundred of them to that rally. And in that rally, the evangelist said, Buddha can save you, Muhammad can save you, Krishna can save you. And everything he said was true. Unfortunately, many of the friends that we brought there because we're of Asian ethnicity, they were either Muslim, Muslim, or Hindu. So they got very offended. And they started to scold us Christians and say, how can you bring us to such a talk? He's so rude. And uh, we were very young believers in those days. And then my friends buckled, and they all pointed their finger at me and said, it was Dan's idea, not ours. <laughs> so then everyone turned on me and started to scold me. And I also buckled, and I went home that night, and I started to cry to God. I said, oh God, they are so mean to me. Why, why didn't you save them, God? I don't want to do this anymore. And then God had to pick up the pieces and put it back together. It's been over 20 years since that day, you know. I look back at myself back then, and I laugh at myself. In those days, I got no backbone, you know. I was like cotton wool. The enemy touched me, and I go, oh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> And I've learned that if you want God to use you, you've got to have a bit of a backbone. You must be able to take a hit or two for Jesus. As Christians, sometimes you hear, some people say, you know, I walk with God like that, he walks with God like that, she walks with God like that. Actually, as Christians, we don't get to invent our own walk with God. There's only one way of walking with God, and that is to follow Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. And the thing is, you can never take it literal or walk closely enough following him. The one who followed him very closely, almost literally, was Peter. You know, I love Peter. He's a man that carries his heart on his sleeve. And he's just raw and just open. In everything he thinks, he just says it out. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, follow me. And he said, okay. And he left everything, left his fishing nets and followed Jesus, literally. And then one day there was a storm big storm and the disciples were in the boat and Jesus came walking on water and Peter said oh yes I'm supposed to follow him everything he does I'm supposed to do so since he's walking on water I guess I should walk on water too and he said hey Jesus if that's you call me to come to you and Jesus said come and Peter got off the boat and started walking on water my goodness all the other disciples were saying 
when Jesus said, follow us, he meant on the shore. You know, he meant metaphorically in his life and all that. But Peter, so childlike, so literal, he just said, Jesus, call me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. Jesus will never scold us for following him. He will never scold us. Whatever follow him means to you, just follow him as closely as you can and he will never scold you for that. The disciples were meant to follow their rabbis. In those days, all the rabbis had disciples. If the rabbi blessed someone with their right hand, all the disciples blessed someone with their right hand. If the rabbi tied their belt with the sash on the side, all the disciples would do the same. If the rabbi, hypothetically, was to walk into a casino and start gambling, all the disciples would do the same. Now, Jesus, Jesus, wonderful, beautiful Jesus, he never sinned. So we also should not sin. Jesus did not walk worried about tomorrow. He walked with peace. And so we also should walk with peace. Jesus did not walk sick. He walked healthy. And when he was on earth, all his disciples also walked healthy and they went around healing the sick and we should too. But the road, the life and the road that Jesus walked, there was a cross and he bore that cross and you and I should also bear that cross. Don't be surprised when persecution comes. The second point I want to share with you is to rejoice. Rejoice in suffering. The Bible says, Rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Now let's get it out of the way. Christians are not masochists, right? We don't go, burn me for Jesus, burn, burn, burn more. I like it. <laughs> we, we are not that kind of rejoice, please. You know, the first time the disciples encountered persecution or the cross was when Jesus went on the cross. Do you know what their reaction was the first time they encountered the cross? They ran away. The Bible says, everyone deserted him and fled. Poor Jesus went on the cross by himself, no disciples on the left or right of him. He was by himself. First time they met the cross, all the disciples fled. Everyone ran away. But do you know that all of them, even Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus, regretted their actions. And with the exception of Judas who hung himself out of guilt, all the other disciples were given another chance to walk with Jesus again, to bear the cross for Jesus again, and they did so marvelously. They did it beautifully for years and years, even until their death. The same Peter who rejected Jesus three times at the cross, most spectacularly, the same G Peter is the one who is writing these words. Rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. The Peter who is writing this is now very familiar with suffering. He has suffered for Jesus. He is familiar with persecution and he's saying rejoice in persecution. There is a change. There has been a wonderful change of attitude in Peter. The first time he met the cross, it was a cost. The cost of following Jesus is to bear the cross. It was a cost that, and he ran away from the cross. But now in his later years, when he looks at suffering for Jesus, he sees it as a privilege, a wonderful privilege to suffer with the Lord. In the World War I and II, many soldiers died and so many mothers lost their sons in the war. There was a mother who lost a son and one day at home, she heard a knock on the door and she opened the door and there was another soldier, a different soldier, not her son. And that soldier was on a crutches. He had lost one eye and he was covered in bandages and he handed her a letter. 
And he says, please read this, ma'am. And she read it and she recognized her son's handwriting. And this is the last letter her son wrote her. And he talked about his experiences in the war. And he talked about this soldier that was before her. And he said that this soldier had been a brother to him. The soldier had been in the trenches with him, fighting with him, suffered with him. And this soldier had been with him until the very end. And his last words to his mother was, Mother, please receive him as you would receive me. And the mother cried and embraced this soldier. And she said, from today on, you will be my son. And she looked after him as a son for the rest of her life. As Christians, we are already sons and daughters of God. One day, all of us will have the enormous privilege of going up to heaven and seeing God himself. But I would like it very much so that one day when I see God the Father face to face, I would like it very much so if Jesus could say to him, Father, this one has been in the trenches with me. There is a reward and it's going to be a great and enormous reward when we get to heaven for suffering with Jesus. But even deeper than that reward is the privilege of being able to stand with him in the trenches. Rejoice is a privilege when we get to suffer for Jesus. The third thing I want to share with you this morning is how we as Christians should respond when we get persecuted for the name of Jesus. Our passage today tells us how we should respond when we suffer for Jesus. When we are persecuted, when people insult us, persecute us for the name of Jesus, we should suffer. That's it. Nothing more. No calling down fire from heaven, no cursing them to have retribution, none of that. The Bible says when you get persecuted, you just suffer. It says there's a fiery ordeal, a very difficult trial that's going to come on you and then you should participate in the sufferings of Christ. They are going to insult you, they're going to reproach you and you suffer as a Christian. It's just suffer. I'm going to mention something about the anointing here. In Christian ministry, there is the ministry for preaching. There is a ministry for teaching. Similarly, there is an anointing for preaching and there is an anointing for teaching. But have you noticed in the Bible, there is no ministry for defense? Christians have no ministry of defense. So therefore, there is also no anointing to defend yourself. We can only live under the anointing that God has given us. I want you to see the life of Jesus here. Jesus had an anointing. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. What did God anoint Jesus to do? To proclaim good news to the poor. This is the ministry of evangelism. Ministry of evangelism is to save a man's spirit. He said that if you believe in me, you will have eternal life. One day, all our physical lives will end, but spiritually, we live forever. There is an eternal life in the Spirit. To evangelize, the ministry of evangelism is to minister to a man's spirit. And he said, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Prison in what? What are these people imprisoned by? They are imprisoned by sickness. And so on the cross, Jesus said, the anointing is on me to free them Physically, this is the ministry to the body. And then he said to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Oppression is the yoke of the devil on a man's soul. If a man's spirit is taken over by the devil, he is possessed. 
if a man's life, his body and his life is come against by the devil and he brings trouble against him, opposition against him, that's called opposition. Enough opposition will lead to oppression. Enough troubles in life will cause depression and anxiety. Everyone had a, has a breaking point. Even Job has a breaking point. Oppression is over the soul. And Jesus said, I have come to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to tell them that God is for them, not against them. So the ministry of the anointing for Jesus was to set men free, spirit, soul and body. Jesus suffered on that cross in the spirit, soul and body. Since he paid the price in spirit, soul and body, the redemption that he has won for us is also spirit, soul and body. And to this end, Jesus was so sold out. Jesus only lived under the anointing. He only spoke the words that the Father told him to speak. He never spoke a single word for himself. Everything about Jesus, his life, his physical body, his time, his career, everything about him was sold out. Even his thoughts and the words that he spoke was only used for God. When he was falsely accused, when he was persecuted, he never opened his mouth to defend himself. Not once. He was so silent that Pontius Pilate was amazed. Why is this guy not defending himself? Even Pontius Pilate knew he was innocent, but Jesus refused to open his mouth to defend himself. Because Jesus refused to use his words for himself, he would only use his words for the anointing, for the purpose of God. Even on the cross, when his life was ending, he did not, he did not use his words to defend himself. He used his words to lead a criminal next to him into the kingdom of God. Until the very end, he was sold out to live under the anointing and only for the anointing of God. Do you want the anointing of God? Do you want God to use you? Then we got to have such an attitude that we would not do anything to raise ourselves up or praise ourselves or make people think highly of us. We would live only for God's will. That's the way Jesus did. But there is no defense ministry. No defense ministry. Some people said, oh, but the armor of God, isn't the armor of God a defensive equipment? Yes, but Ephesians 6, 11, that tells us to put on the whole armor of God, the very next verse tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the dark age, and the spirit of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Spiritual armor is for spiritual warfare. Against the devil, we have all the armor. We've got armor, we've got God as our fortress, as our high tower. The devil cannot touch us in the spiritual realm. But against men, we've got nothing. If someone beats us for the name of Jesus, we just have to let them beat us. That's it. But the Bible says that we should follow Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 21 says that He leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. You see, the life of Jesus shows us two people. His life was a role model so that we could see God the Father, but his life was also a role model so that we could see what our lives were meant to be like if we would only follow God. Since Jesus suffered on the cross and he kept quiet, we also must. But we don't just follow Jesus in the act of suffering, which we must. We must also follow Jesus in the attitude of his heart. Jesus, as he went to the cross, he wasn't bitter and resenting them and says, how dare they do this? I'm going to punish them when I get to heaven. No, no, no. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And wonderful Jesus, 
he practiced what he preached, and on that cross, he demonstrated it. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, we must follow in his footsteps. Stephen followed in his footsteps. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. And when he said that, he fell asleep. Doesn't it look remarkably like how Jesus did it? There's only one way to live the Christian life. You can't avoid the cross, and when you encounter it, don't find creative ways to make it less painful. Just endure it and suffer it, just like Jesus did. And above all, love your enemies and pray for them. The Bible says, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Imitate God. How do we imitate God? The next verse tells us, walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us. You and I will never be more like Jesus than when we walk in love. And the hardest time to love is when someone is persecuting us. But even then, with all that we can, we must love them for Jesus' sake. I knew a family, wonderful family, parents and children, all very godly and they all loved each other. Good loving household. When they grew up, one of the sons married a woman and for some reason, that that woman did not like the family. And she kept saying bad things about the family to him. And she turned his heart against his own family. And that son just began to persecute his own family. He said bad things about them. He was rude. He was mean to them. It was painful to hear what was happening. But his family loved him all the time. They never retaliated. They just loved him and loved him and loved him. And one day the father died. And at the funeral, something broke in that son. And he wept. And he just came back. And there was great reconciliation in that family. That man was blessed. He was very blessed because he had a family who loved him. And so when he repented, he knew he could come home. If the world persecutes us as the church, don't make enemies of them. Don't fight against them and you know, treat them the way they treat us. If you do that, one day, even if they repent, they won't dare to stop in the doors of the church because they would think that we treat them as enemies. Love them, love them so that one day if God would touch them and lead them to repentance, they know that the house of God is a place they can call home. Love them for Jesus' sake. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The last thing I want to share with us this morning is what should we focus on? You see, there's a very subtle snare in persecution. It's called self-pity and self-righteousness. When we are getting persecuted, when people are saying bad things about us, beating us, if we look at the people who are persecuting us, we will think, hi, these people are all sinners. They don't know what they're doing. And then we become self-righteous. Oh, that's, that's bad. We fall. If we look at ourselves and see how much we suffer, we say, oh, poor me, you know, I'm, I'm suffering so much. And then we follow into self-pity and we also fall. So whether you look at them, you look at yourself, you're going to fall. There's only one place one person we should fix our eyes on that will keep us safe, and that is Jesus. If we can see Jesus and fix our eyes on him, somehow our perspective of things changes and we are safe. I'm scared of physical pain. You know? One time I wasn't paying attention and I stapled my own finger and I howled, I went, Ow! And when I pulled that staple out, my eyes welled up with tears. And it was a staple, a little staple. I can't imagine having the nail in my hands, hands and feet for Jesus. 
One time I was cooking and I touched a hot frying pan and I went, ow! And then I looked at my hand, nothing. No burn mark, not even red, just a little bit pink. I can't imagine burning at the cross, skin burning up, eyes melting, and still singing praises to God and praying for forgiveness for people. I can't. And one day I went to the Holy Spirit and I said, Oh Lord, if such a day was to come, would I be faithful to you? How do I know I would be faithful to you? And he said to me, he said, Dan, there's two aspects of the cross. There's the cross of persecution. There's also the cross that you carry daily. You don't get persecuted daily, but there is a cross you must carry daily. And Jesus said, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Pick up his cross daily. And he said, this is the cross, you see. He must deny himself. This is not what the world will do to you. This is what you do to yourself. And he says, there was a time that you could not see yourself carrying the daily cross. You couldn't see yourself never watching TV again, never touching social media again. Is that right? And I said, oh, yes, Lord. And he says, I helped you, didn't I? I said, yes, Lord, it's all you. And he says, in the same way that I help you to carry the daily cross, in the same way, I will help you to carry the cross of persecution when and if it should come your way. The Bible says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Whenever we suffer for the name of Jesus, God himself comes close to us to give us strength and help in our time of need. I'm not saying that the saints never suffered. They suffered and that's why there's a reward in heaven. But more than that, you must see that it's God himself who helps us to cross that finish line. The Bible says that Jesus is our author and finisher. He's the one who finishes our faith. How does it happen? In the time when we are suffering and we say, oh God, I can't take this anymore. This is more than I can bear. At that moment, Jesus is with us. He's not standing by our side as a Jewish man with pom-poms. Come on, come on, you can do it. No, no. Jesus is in us through the Holy Spirit. He is with us and there is a voice that says, come on, son, you can do it, son. Come on, come on. You are not alone. I am with you. We're going to go through this together. If you're too tired, lean on me. My strength is enough for both of us. Come on, come on, cross the line. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's the Jesus. He's always with us. Even in our darkest and most difficult hours, He will be the one to help us to cross the finish line. There is no person, there is not one person on this earth who has suffered for God without the help of God Himself. Except one, Jesus Christ. The only one who suffered the cross The only one who suffered the cross without God's help was Jesus. The Bible says, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, Laba Shabashtani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, Jesus suffered at the hands of men, they tortured him. 
you know the story. They brought him to the courtyard and they whipped him. And those whips had metal hooks. And when they pulled back the whip, chunks of flesh would come out. And they didn't just hit his body, they hit his face. And the Bible says he was disfigured and men who saw it were appalled. And the same Bible says there was no beauty in him that no one would desire. They disfigured him. They disfigured him and even then, he never uttered a sound. Then they brought him in front of people and they turned the people against him. These were people that he loved. He cried for them before he entered Jerusalem the last time. And when he entered, they laid their cloaks so that his donkey would not have to step on the ground. They loved him and they honoured him. And in three days, the Pharisees turned them all against him to the point that they hated him. They did it by raising up false witnesses, giving false testimonies and turning the hearts of people against Jesus. And it broke his heart. And in front of, in front of Jesus, he saw the people that he loved choose a murderer over him. And he broke his heart. And even then, he never said a thing. And then they put a cross on him and made him carry it up the hill called Golgotha. And at the top of that hill, they nailed him to that cross and they hung him. And even then, Jesus never uttered a sound. He just bore it silently. But when God turned away from Jesus, it was more than he could bear. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the difference in the cross that you and I bear and the cross that he bore. When we bear our cross, we bear as righteous before God. And God comes closer to us to help us in our time of need. But when he bore our cross, his cross, he bore our sins on him. And our sins make God turn away from him. Nobody will ever understand the full cost it cost Jesus to bear that cross. But if we are just fix our eyes on him, even the glimpse, even the little bit that we can see is enough for us to worship him. And everything in our lives, the good, the bad, even the suffering seems to fade away. Jesus, he's so beautiful, he's so wonderful. I can't wait to see him face to face. On earth, they laid their clothes and they cheered for him as he entered Jerusalem. But now, he is in heaven and everywhere he goes for all eternity, people will cheer for him in heaven and run to him and jump into his arms and praise him. And when Jesus sits on the throne in heaven, oh, all of heaven comes together. When Jesus sits on that throne, all of heaven comes together and forms a circle all around Him. And as far as the eye can see, multitudes beyond multitudes, all the heavenly hosts, all the angels and men from every nation, tribe, tongue and people gather together to praise the name of Jesus. And they're all singing, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain for mankind. He alone is worthy of all power, riches, wisdom, honour, glory, praises and blessing forever and ever. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Isn't it nice to just focus on Jesus to the point that everything else fades away? Praise God for Jesus. Come, let's stand to our feet.
Dear Jesus, come into my life. I believe that when you died on that cross, you died for my sins. And today I'm right with God because of you. Help me, Lord, to walk with the consciousness that my sins are forgiven, that I have peace and I have healing. Help me, Lord, to walk with the consciousness that you are with me always to the very end of age. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And just hold your hands up, let me give the benediction and then we go. Father, Father, as one of your sons, Father, I ask that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And right now, Lord, may your son be lifted up in our lives. May we rejoice with him in our hearts. May we honour him, glorify him and worship him for all that he has done. Father, may you be glorified through your son, his name and all that he has done. May we see the mighty name of Jesus who suffered more than any other man and is now raised up more than any other. May we see the honour and glory of your Son, Lord, and may we carry it with us. Every day, everywhere we go, may we carry Jesus in our heart to full. I pray this blessing over us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, church.